0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Yes, yes. Hey. Good morning, wherever you are. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Locker Talk podcast on the Baxter News Radio Network. Where you hear about NFL stars of tomorrow today. I'm your host Barry Barnes, founder and CEO of Locker Report dot com. And you guys, you guys can always reach out to me on any one of my social handles on Twitter at Locker underscore Report, on Instagram Locker Report one hundred all small caps,
0: on Facebook
1: Locker Report dot com and also check out the podcast Lock like It Talk podcast on Facebook. But please, please go to YouTube. Go to YouTube right now and subscribe to the channel, the Lock like It Talk podcast. That's on Lock. That's on YouTube right now. You can subscribe and you can check this show out in this video version. So you see this good looking face talking about some good looking. talk about some great stuff in the NFL. And but most importantly, make sure you guys lock in the lock up to the dot com where you guys can listen to this show twenty four hours a day at your leisure. And any time that you feel pleased to look at what's going on or to listen. See what could be going on in NFL that's behind the scenes. Some of the stuff that well, all the stuff that you don't necessarily see that's being talked about on television or where you read from blogs or articles. That way you can find some other different avenues about the NFL that you guys will be entertained about. And also, most importantly, gain knowledge about. However, if that's the place you want to go and that what you're fancy, fancy with NFL, believe me, you will not be disappointed when you go to locker and also checking out the Locker Talk podcast on Best News Radio Network. All right, I hope everyone is doing well. Oh, boy, what a great workout I had this morning. I tell you, warm myself out. And hey, you got to take advantage of those things. Get myself all prepped up for the good good 2021 NFL season. Wow, I stay in shape. I walk out all the time. But, hey, it's nothing like being prepared to be able to get down during um, playing season and looking for to the first game of the season, the Hall of Fame game, you know, up in um, Canton, Ohio, where the Dallas Cowboys will take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm looking forward to being there, you know, covering that game and getting some good, juicy stuff. So next week when we come on this show, and I'll be in Canton. When I come on the show, we'll be about, just give like a little recap of what happened in the game, but most importantly, talk about the, the NFL Regional Combine players who came through the process who will be participating in that night, Uh, and we'll get into all that good stuff next week. But this week, definitely want to finish what we were talking about last week. Um, A week ago, you know, I had the pleasure and uh, the honor to sit in on the NFL officiating conference. Um, This year it was virtual. Um, next year, you can't wait. You get to see everybody face-to-face as we go back, you know, on the road to handle everything, and it will be great to see those guys have been missing them for the last two years due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But uh, the clinic still had to go on, and it still was success. And it's very important that this clinic, that the league actually, believe it or not, you know, started around 2015, 2000, yeah, two thousand fifteen, two thousand sixteen 2016, yeah, where it was the time when the league knew they wanted – to there's so much information during the off season that take place in the NFL um, and also all kinds of meetings you know the meeting the owners meetings they have in the spring and also uh, what they will have like right before the summer the one they have in March and the one they have in May and then the competition committee you know they have their meetings and that's where a lot of the rule changes and everything um, are made um, some is kept from the previous year some rules may be a little tweaked and is it, someone asked me one time before, you know, why they, every year they feel as though they have to do something with the rules, why they're always changing rules and everything, you know, why they just can't keep, it, keep the rules as it is and then go from there. Well, the answer that I gave them in the first time, in this case, if you want, you guys had this question, you know, why do that? Why do the NFL always mess with the rule book every year? Well, each year the game evolves, and each year there's always, always a certain scenario or a situation that happens on the field that is one of those situations where, okay, we haven't seen this before, um, how can we address it? Also, in, in terms of coaching and schemes, these coaches, defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, all these guys are highly intelligent at what they do. And anything that they see falls far as in the rule book that's like a wrinkle or something they may see in college, you know, to see if it could be something they can they can actually use in the NFL, these guys are always willing to try to figure out a way to have a competitive edge. You know, it just, It's just it been like that and it will always continue to be. But when they come up with situations um, like that and if it's not something that's addressed in a rule or something that the league needs to address coming up, they won't change it during the middle of the season. But the season of the following year, that's when things will be addressed and notice they, certain things they have to make it a little bit more clear because there's always something there due to the play on the field because the players has evolved, and coaching has involved has as well. So the, it's important, actually it's imperative that the league stay on top of it and the ones that have to, have to bear the responsibility of that outwardly are the NFL officials. So this is why they had the clinic put together, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, something they, that wasn't around years and years ago, but something that's pretty much still fairly recent. But and, but it's it's showing that the impact that it has and its and its importance. And so when you have all the officials together, and especially when it comes at the mini clinic, the mini clinic, the officials pretty much have a lot of input. You know, the the, the meetings, you know, um, are broken down in breakout sessions, like how they normally do with the clinic. But the difference is that the mini clinic, the officials involved a lot of their input. Certain things, certain things they see on the field, certain things they witness. You know that NFL football operation. You know that you know that they wouldn't have an idea of what's going on, but really don't know. So that's where they use the input of the officials to let them know, hey, this is something that we have to monitor, blah blah blah. And they get into it, and then when the fish any clinic, the big one, not the many, but the fish any clinic when I was in a couple of weeks ago, that's when everything is set in stone. That's when everything was taken into accountability through the competition committee, on committee with the owners. Um, what was the the changes that and for operations want to look into, even when it came down in the mini clinic where the officials gave some input, everything comes down to the end at the officiating clinic where everything is in stone. This is what it's going to be and this is how we're going to move forward for the upcoming year. And so this is why the clinic is so important, you know, for the league and for the officials so these guys can be able to stay on top of the game as the game continues to evolve when i say evolve every year i mean this game evolves every single year so this is why they had a clinic and so to be a part of that was really great now last week i remember we had talked about um, um how this is the first time that the clinic had had current coaches two current coaches to participate in a clinic normally they would have former head coaches um, like Chuck Pagano was one of them, Jim Schwartz was another. You know, they would have former head coaches that will come to the clinics, You'd share their input, hear from the officials, and then it will be some situation where there's, a, you know, a, an agreement or better yet an understanding of both sides. Because although when we look on the playing game, I mean, when we look at the playing season, and it looks like there's only three teams on the field, the two opposing teams, and the third team with officiating, and it tends, you know—it may look look like from the outside that these guys are not working together. They want to make sure that these guys are doing—you know—doing their job. And and there's a there's, a, I would say, a disconnect between the players, coaches, and officials. Folks, that is the furthest thing from the truth. The coaches understand the officials. The officials understand the coaches. The players understand the officials, and the officials the officials understand the players. So, believe it or not, they are collectively all together on game day looking to make sure that everything goes well. want to make sure that the game is played correctly. And when we see the intense um, conversations on the field with the players involving the officials and officials involving the coaching, I mean, you look at it and you say to yourself, like, wow, he's really laying this guy out, or he shouldn't talk to that grown man like that. You know, it it happens. We, We look at it and we see it. Football is a very emotional sport. Um, as soon as the ball is kicked off, whether it's in the preseason, regular season, postseason, or the Super Bowl, the emotional tie is always there and it's never going to go away. And so when we see the griping, we see the fussing, the going back and forth on the field, just know that these guys do not hate each other. There is not, you know, each uh, party respects each other's job and what they're supposed to do in the field. So don't think that these guys are operating um, on a different side, and there's no, um, the, I would say there's no friendship there or, and better yet, no understanding there. Don't think like that at all because these guys are truly, truly are on the same page when it comes down to game day and making sure that this game continues to stay safe. You're listening to The Locker Talk on the Bachelor News Radio Network where you hear about NFL stars of tomorrow today. I am your host, Barry Barnes, founder and CEO of Locker-Report.com. Now, we talked about those two coaches, how, the two coaches, two parent coaches, Matt Rule, head coach for Carolina Panthers, and Brian Flores, head coach for Miami Dolphins. They came on the um the uh, part they came on the clinic a couple of weeks ago, shared their input, received from officials, officials asked them questions about how they can do their job, how they can help them do their job better on the field and vice versa. And that information was definitely shared. And for Matt Rule, he was really excited because when he was at Baylor He normally attend the summit, the only coach, according to him, that would attend the Big 12 Summit, and officiating is one of the things that's talked about and how the officials there are there to share, and he always went because he wanted to know what to do on the field. Last year as a rookie head coach, there were no officials during training camp, and so a lot of the plays or penalties we witnessed on the field during game day was because they did not have no officials to help coach them the players, I mean, help coach the coaches to not to coach the players on what to do and what not to do on the field. And you may say to yourself, well, these guys have been around the NFL so long, they should know what to, you know, how to coach their players the proper way. You know, that's not necessarily the case, folks. It's always something because this game evolves every single year, and that's not, you know, something made up. That is the truth. And so, when we, so we talked about that with the coaches. And then we talked about the COVID-19, how the NFL was able to have a successful year, despite the climate not, that not only this country had faced, but the world had faced all collectively. You know, the league made sure that, you know, they had protocols in place where everyone had to wear their mask, hands hands down. Everyone had to have, have a mask. All the meetings were virtual, you know, so there was no one-on-one meeting. When it was time to eat, they go into the cafeteria. The, uh, the players did not just eat too low take, you know, a bowl, I mean, take some food here and this you know, it, I mean, it's, it's so much that goes on behind the scenes. And when we talked about with the COVID, when the cafeteria, how no one was able to eat in the cafeteria, so the players had to come in, grab their lunch and go, or grab their meal and go, and went to their designated places where they were safe. You know, so there was a lot of things they had put in place for us with that. And there was no large gatherings. Even when it came into the weight room, they can only have 15 people in there at a time, 10 players five coaches, that was the number that they had to have inside the weight room, the workout room. And then that time when the players needed to come out, players would come out and respect the other players had to go in and get their work in, that's when they went in. So they had ways to put things in place. When it came down on game day, you know, the officials had to get tested at the hotel and wait for the results. And the results normally were taken away between 20 to 30 minutes, 20, excuse me, from 20 to 30 minutes. And so these guys would then were able and allowed to go to the stadium to be ready to go to work. After experiencing these great numbers, you know, the NFL employee, a little over 12,000 people, including the players, and to only have 726 um, people to be tested positive for COVID-19 last year, that put them in a 0. 0, 0. .08%. Of people being tested positive, that was astonishing to see how the league was able to do that. You had one of the officials that asked, you know, um, you know, the, chief, the NFL chief medical, um, a medical officer, and Dr. Alan Sales asked him, well, with the great protocol, protocols in here, why do some people still get tested positive? Amongst the officials, there was 138, but 29 of those guys got, you know, tested positive. You know, according to Dr. Seals, he said it was about your community, who you you affiliate with when they are gone, when you're at your home, or your friends. It all comes down to that. So these are the things they had broke down dealing with the clinic last, I mean, dealing with COVID-19. It was a success, and the CDC recognized the NFL for that. Now what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick pause and we're going to jump right into this quick commercial break. After we do this quick commercial break, we're going to come in and talk about a couple of other things that was not touched on last week at the clinic, and we're going to be able to wrap everything up about the clinic after today because next week we're going to jump right into the playing season. You'll listen to Locker Talk on the Bachelor News Radio Network where you hear about NFL stars of tomorrow today. Now, this is something I want you guys to do every Friday, every Friday. You get by your iPads on your phone, on your computer, and if you like music, you're going to love this. Every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is Feature Album Friday on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Listen later today for the Feature Album for Friday from 5 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. as our Feature Artist of the Week is Teddy Pentagrass. Yes, Teddy P. You're going to listen to Teddy P. for 30 minutes on the Pro. It's Feature Hour on Friday, folks, exclusively on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And also, also, make sure you stay locked in to listen to the love songs of today and yesterday with Whispering Softly on the Bachelor News Radio Network. You can listen to some of the best love songs every Sunday through Friday from 8th and a time at flow exclusively on the Bachelor News Radio Network, and make sure you guys stay tuned right after this show, following this show, the Locker Talk podcast. Listen to Yanni Knox as she gives a dose of dime, where she talks about all kinds of stuff when you're dealing with love and relationships. Make sure you guys stay tuned and locked in after the Locker Talk podcast today. Now, back to the scheduled program with the Locker Talk on the Bachelor News Radio Network where you hear about NFL stars of tomorrow. I'm your host, Barry Barnes, founder and CEO of Locker Now, as we talked about briefly what was discussed last week, Now we're going to wrap up the rest of the conversation dealing with the NFL officiating clinic that happened a couple of weeks ago. Now, I know last week we also touched briefly on with the COVID, but the other part that was really uh, very significant is player safety. No matter what goes on, and clearly it showed last year what goes on in the world, the main thing that the NFL want to make sure they stay on top of is player safety. Player safety is numero uno when it comes down to the NFL. This is something that is, that's always, always talked about how to make the game safer for our players, and this is something that always will be discussed because, like I said earlier, the league is evolves every year. And when it comes down to this situation with the players on the field, these players evolve every year with different types of nutrition, with different types of workout. These players are getting bigger. These guys are getting faster, getting leaner, getting stronger, getting smarter. I mean, this game is so fast. This game is playing, it's being played the way how the NFL wanted the game to be played ever since this game, great game was instituted. But over the years, you know, guys couldn't keep up with what they wanted to have, so they had to keep adjusting rules according to the skill set of the players. And as the skill set continued to evolve, the NFL had to get a little bit more stringent, make the game, put more rules into the game, so that the player safety piece could be a focus. So that's why they have all these rules and they want to put things inside. Now, when it comes down to the officials, I call them the NFL caretakers because they have to take care of the game. And this is their job not only to be safe with COVID nineteen but also also make sure to monitor concussions. Any player that look you know, that look strange, take them out of the game. They want to make sure they stay on top of that. And also along for the ride to help the officials has been the helmet technology. The helmet technology has been huge ever since it really was put into place for the NFL, especially around 2017 when the NFL Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Alan Sills became a part of the NFL and when he would attend the officiating clinic, which is something that he, he does every year ever since he was hired full-time by NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell with that helmet technology, which is really cool. And We're going to get into that. But just to give you a heads up, from 2015 to 2017, the, the NFL put in place a range when they started to really address the con, the concussion situation and the neck injury situation. They really, really wanted to get things straightened out with that, which was really, 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 really good. So in 2015, 2017, they had set up a range of 159 to 194. That was the range number that they were that was their goal to see false concussions now they achieved that goal in those three years in that three year span Due that um, during that three year span 2015 was the year where they had the highest number of concussions at 183 and their lowest was at 166 in 2016 but it gets better when they had the range for 2018 to 2020 last year they got aggressively low with their range from 114 to 150, and yes, they achieved that as well. During that four-year, during that three-year period, although 150 was their max, they never exceeded 140. Matter of fact, the lowest number of um, concussions they experienced was in 2018 when they had 127. That was a dramatic drop from 2017 where they had 178 concussions um, that had occurred in the NFL. So that was fantastic. And so with that, with Dr. Seals giving them, giving the officials kudos of what they did on the field, and one of the things that Dr. Seals has said to the officials, and I quote, I value each of you as part of our medical team on game day. What I mean by that is you continue to be our eyes and ears on the field, often on the field, to help identify injured players who need to be assessed, you are really our first line of defense. End quote. So this was something that, you know, Dr. Seals had said to the officials how these guys was able to be that front line and help push the envelope in keeping players safe um, throughout the entire football year. Now, here go with the helmet technology. Now the helmet technology was introduced in two thousand fifteen. Now two thousand fifteen All the players did not just jump on board and say, hey, give me this new helmet. No, there was a little pushback because one thing for sure about NFL players, they are creatures of habit. You know, football players are very, very superstitious. If if a certain item they wear, they felt as though brought brought them luck, they're going to wear it. You know, if they wear it a certain way, they're going to wear it. And their helmets are no different. Certain players, you know, all the players like their helmet to be a certain way. And with a lot of the new helmets that came out, a lot of the new helmets they were a little heavier, and depending on their position, it would block or hinder some of those players' viewpoints while they were on the field. So there was a lot of you know pushback. Now, although it was some pushback, still, still majority of the NFL used the new helmets, which was at fifty-five percent. But however, it kind of dropped down the following year, when only forty-seven percent of the players was using the new helmet. You have most of the players that's using where they had the helmets that were in the red, I mean, in the um, yellow. And when you look at this graph, and I'm not at liberty to show you the graph, but they had a listing of helmets in the green that were appropriate. You had um, a list of helmets that were in the yellow. They were okay, but they were not, you know, what the league would recommend for them to wear, you know, although they was okay, but they wouldn't recommend them. But with the helmets in the red, they was totally prohibited but you still had some players that wanted to wear them. So with that following year, knowing that it had dropped to 47%, 2018 was a change. Everything started to change. They actually increased up to 74% of the players in the league wearing the safer helmets. So that was a 27 increase from the previous year. And then last year, last year was the, was the big turnaround. Last year, Every player in the league except for one, believe it or not, one player, one player, all the players in the league wore the safe helmet, the helmet in the green. Only one player. Not going to identify who that one player was, but only one player. So it knocked the league down to 99% of the use of the new helmet which is something the players are recognizing. You know, someone had to twist their arms and everything, but still at the same time, the players want to be safe. They want to play the game safe. And so that's why, you know, the whole league, 99%, not that only, only one player <laughs> did not wear the new helmet you know, for the technology. But it's okay. I'm quite sure he's going to wear the new helmet this year. So definitely looking forward to, to the league being 100% using the new technology helmet to help keep this game safe you listen to Locker Talk on the Bachelor News Radio Network, where you hear about NFL stars of tomorrow today. I'm your host, Barry Barnes, founder and CEO of LockerDashport.com. Now, the lower extremities, the lower extremities like your hamstrings, they still consider the most common um, injuries in the NFL. And one of the things about the preseason, although it's going to be less this year, you know, Dr. Seals says as far as a medical standpoint, that actually helped the league. You know, more practices help lower the risk of injuries, according to the doctor, for the season. So although we look at the players playing too many games, you know, we're having 17 regular season games this year, a preseason game was taken away for Dr. Seals. The medical world believes that all four of the games should be played because it helps to reduce the injury because the players is another way for the players, another game, for the players to exercise players' safety before the real games matter. So that was some of the things that was talked about as far as dealing with safety in the league. Now, one of the other things that was really interesting was the strategies that the league are implementing into the, um, into the game as the game continues to evolve. Uh, what I mean about, you know, strategies that the, that the league is putting in place is that they were trying to figure out a way how to make game day a little better. Now, when we look at the football field and we see that it's pretty big, But we also see that it can tend to be pretty crowded out there on the field as well. And so with the large, you know, with a lot of media people on the field, um, you have a lot of um, associates on the field, all kinds of people on the field. The NFL is going to eliminate that this year. It's too crowded. So they're going to put in place, you may see some people with armbands around their arms because this is going to signal to NFL security and those on the field to let them know that this person belong on the field. This person do not belong on the field. So they're going to they plan to reduce the amount of um, people on the field during game day, which is very important, you know, because they need the space, they need the room. They also one of the things they're going to do um, is going to be they're going to um, do something with the bench area. How they're going to expand the bench area to about 25 yards, where there will be more room where if the players want to sit down, they can, you know, to loosen up um, players standing up on the sideline. So they're going to, you know, look out for that this year as well. When it comes down to field conditionings, um, I really believe that this is going to be the last year you guys are going to see horrible field conditioning, especially when it's inclement weather. Um, Each game they're going to have their field conditioning crew that's going to be on the field. These guys are already locked in for the year. They already know what their duties is. If there's a ditch in the field that happens during the game, they're going to have some people to come out there and fix it. Um, between, you know, probably on you know, halftime or television timeouts, they're going to have a, each game is going to have a staff to specifically um, watch over the field conditioning. So they want to have crews in place to make sure that another thing, we play playing safety. The last thing we don't want to see is a player getting injured. Um, we know an injury is a part of the game, especially because it's a collision sport, but they definitely don't want to see a player get injured because there's a hole in the ground. So they're going to be on top of that. They've been they've, they always been really good with that, but you have some fields, and I know one field for sure, that FedEx field, man, that, that field was always, always bad, especially in the middle part of the field and also in the south corner part of the field. Or for some reason
0: Hello, mommies and papas is Yanni here, DJ, and there's sex with today's little bitty DJ Dime. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Bachelor News Radio Network. Thank you for tuning in. You can always hit us up at six four six nine two nine zero one three zero If you wanted to get in, get on, get heard. I'm here to listen to you. Also, there are chat lines available, and you can leave a message, and I'll be able to kind of see what your messages are on the sideline, hopefully, if I get this stuff working. Um, And we'll be able to communicate, especially if you have questions, because I'm always open to questions. So let's make that happen. So we wanted to talk about definitely there is a Facebook group. Uh, a Dose of the Dime, it's on Facebook, and it it's a public Facebook group, and it's where we kind of get together and talk about some of the things that uh, we discuss on the radio show. Um, lately, we've been talking about narcissism, but uh, last week, we did a men give advice to women post, and I mean, it was at least 30-something posts long. I mean, it was some decent information, and we liked it, so this week, I opened it up to the females, and hey, girls... <laughs> I thought you were going to let them have it, but I'm so glad that you didn't. Everybody kept me very sweet, very professional, very nice, very helpful information. So I hope if you guys have not seen that, that you will tune in, go on to the website, and look at some of that information because all of it was very good. None of it came from a place of hurt. It was all a good, you know, good vibe. So. If you ever want to get in there and express your opinion, you are welcome to do so. The only thing I, that, I, that I ask is that you don't invite. Do not invite. I will delete you and block you from the page. So let's be real about that. So it is a new moon coming up on Sunday, August to 8th. What are new moons? New moons are actually kind of a starting over time. It's when the whole sky is dark. Okay, so it is a time to reaffirm, reset your goals, reset intentions. There's like 147 days left in the year. What are you gonna do? Hey, also my Facebook live on my um, Facebook group of Dose of the Dime, and I see Carlin tuning in. Hey, Carlin, how are you doing, beautiful girl? She is actually a um, extreme step aerobics instructor, and let me tell you, she is the bomb. If you uh, ever want to check that out? Make sure you do that. Okay, she has a Facebook page. Um, also, so if you want to check that out. So on our last show, we talked about narcissism and narcissists. It, <laughs> whew, that was a hot topic. We ended up having to do two totally different shows. Uh, one for the overt narcissist, which is kind of like the extroverted narcissist. It's the one that's in your face. He's grandiose. They're big. They're always, you know, about themselves. They wear the high dollar in fashions and they have the high influential friends or they want to just think that. They're always doing something to kind of make you feel like they're more important than what they are, okay? And then there's the covert narcissist who is actually a more introverted soul, and everything is done on more of a passive, aggressive level, okay? So we had talked about this before, letting you know that it is a personality disorder. So people who have this personality disorder do not know that they have anything going on. They think what they're doing is perfectly fine. And you can't tell them any difference because of the disorder. So that's why not too many people are diagnosed, but a lot of people are quick to say, hey, this person is a narcissist. And it became this whole $10 word, especially with TikTok. And I'm on TikTok, so don't, you know, don't sleep. Um, it has become like this huge $10 word, and I we felt like, I felt like. A lot of people just really didn't know what narcissistic personality disorder really, really is. And so that's why we broke it down on the shelf. So let's go over some of the things. So what's the difference between overt and um, covert? It's the same thing. Think about you're in your car and there's a song playing, and so you don't want to hear it, so you turn it down. You turn it down, the song is still playing. So even though narcissists the overt, narcissist is loud and you can hear it, A covert narcissist is the same thing. You just can't hear it as loud. Does that make sense? And they're actually a little bit more sneaky because they use this passive-aggressive behavior. They use these types of punishments to make you feel like you're It's a thing. Okay? So their communication is always going to be about them. They're always grandiose, passive-aggressive. Love bombing, both do it. And I think uh, we'll go over that real quickly. Love bombing is where – they focus, it's like almost, it normally does not last more than three months. It is where somebody wholeheartedly bombards you with all kinds of love and all kinds of attention and expensive gifts and expensive trips. And they take you places and um, it's, oh, it's everything that you needed. They listen well. You, it's almost like a soulmate connection, like, oh, my God, this is the one. He knows exactly what it is. I mean, and she felt me from way down deep within. Now they're just really good at listening to you, and you talk too much. But we mentioned that. Okay. The other thing that I did want to mention, because I've had at least five, at least five helpers in my box. So what do I mean by helpers? Helpers are social workers, are counselors, are therapists, are nurses, that came into my inbox going, I can't believe I fell for this. I can't believe I should know better. Y'all, do not do this to yourself, that this is not what it's about. Literally, love bombing listens to what it is that you say, and they become that. So I made a new rule for me, because I'm also single and I'm dating, that I, if somebody asks me, what are your turn-offs, what are your turn-offs, I don't tell them. I don't. And the reason why is I want this person to be themselves. Uh, I'll tell you what I'm looking for, alignment, but I'm not going to give you the keys to the kingdom. You're going to have to show me who you are, and we'll move from there. So it is about being that type of person, being that type of don't just accept it at face value. Look underneath. Start looking at do the actions line up with the words. Are the words just something you've already said? Those type of things. Do not feel any kind of way if you have gotten, unfortunately, sucked into love bombing because love bombing is effective. That's why it's the whole thing. That's why this thing is blown up because nobody has talked about it, and now we're talking about it, and now everybody's realizing, oh, my gosh, this is what happened to me. So it's okay. It is okay. So uh, another thing that a narcissist will do they will push your boundaries. So what does that mean? I don't mean like they're pushing up on you. I mean, literally, like if you're like, hey, I don't really want to go to this thing because it's not my vibe, they'll push you, push you, push you until you go, oh, come on. It'll be good. It'll be great. We can go. And and all of these things. And then you'd be like, I said no. No, come on, babe. If you love me, you'll go. And they'll push your boundaries until you go, hey, Angie Craven, line dance queen, i love to see you here. Good job for coming in. I love it. Okay, so also – Pushing your boundaries physically. So if you're not ready to be intimate, or even to be a um, in a relationship, and they continually push your boundaries about that, like well, "I love you," why can't we just be together? And you're saying no. You're firmly saying no. That's a thing. It is a thing, okay? And they have little empathy, little to no empathy. There's a big debate about whether they actually have empathy or not, but. For general purposes, they say that there is no empathy. So, meaning like if your brother dies and you are expecting for your mate to be there and support you, um, they're not gonna they're gonna fake it for as long as they can fake it and then it'll be done. And that's that's the thing. They'll fake it for as long as they can fake it and they'll be done because the empathy is the thing that actually drives them. They normally only act in ways that benefit them. So if it doesn't benefit them, they're not gonna do it. Okay. Um, they will idolize, meaning they'll put you on a pedestal. And then once they see that flaw, that's the only thing that they can see. And you won't know it in a love dominant phase, but they see it. And what they'll do is they'll eventually start picking at it. And it'll start with, like, jokes and conversation, and then it'll turn into outright devaluing you. Like, God, ah, I didn't realize, you know. Yeah, but really does look fat in those shoes. <laughs> or, 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 ah, wow. You really don't know how to handle your liquor well. Things like that, it'll start devaluing you. Things that normally they'll they'll do salty sweet comments. Oh my God, you're so pretty for a big dude. You're so handsome for a big dude. He's handsome, period. She's pretty, period. Those salty sweet things. So. Then there's gaslighting, which is what we're here to talk about today. And listen, listen up. I'm on Facebook Live, A Dose of the Dime. I'm also on the radio show. The number is 646-929-0130. If you want to tune in, you can hit the message boards, and I'm here to listen to you. I see Peaches and uh, Ms. Jai on the, on the chat. Hey, ladies, have am glad you tuned in, and we're going to talk about gaslighting, and it's going to be a thing today. But I do want to pay them in. Make sure we get our feature album, Friday, information, and so today at 5.30 Eastern Standard Time, 6.30, Central Standard Time at 6.30 here in, like, Oklahoma because, you know, the Midwest, like, like okay, we are not going to do that. <laughs> the <laughs> the blog says the Back to News Radio Network actually has this art. They feature one artist, and this week it's going to be Patty LaBelle, so if you are an old school, old school fan, like, I'm an old school fan, you will tune in and you will hear at home I think it's like uh, 30 minutes. I want to say it's 30 minutes of nonstop Patti LaBelle. Like, let me tell you a story. I went to Africa and I love Patti LaBelle and they started playing that song, les vous coucher avec moi? You don't want to know what that means in French. So some guy was like, oui? <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay. So if you want to tune in and listen to Patty, 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 you want to go to thebachelornews.airtime.pro and understand a Bachelor, spelled D-A-T-C-H-E-L-O-R, news.airtime.pro. Um, also, he has a whisper softly. Whisper softly. It's a radio show, weeknights from 8 p.m. to 12 midnight, every day but Saturday night. That's where they play nothing but love songs, and it's really kind of cool. So if you're into that type of stuff, definitely check it in or just turn it on and wash the dishes and get your house clean. You know how we do. That's how we do. So let's move on. Let's get into it. What is gaslighting? So we talked about this last week, but I did want to make sure, because I had to rush, I don't like rushing. So I wanted to make sure that I got you the information that you needed. First of all, there's two types of gaslighting. One, almost all of us do. Almost all of us do. It's called invalidating feelings, okay? Please understand that all of this is emotional abuse. So if you find that you're doing this, which I am guilty of doing this, stop. So pause, reflect, and come back to it. So invalidating feelings is like when you have a kid and they fall and they scrape their knee, and it didn't even break the skin, but they cry it, and they're crying and yelling. like, babe, babe, it's not that bad down. It's not that bad. Calm down. It's okay. Suck it up, baby. We got this, right? What if it is that bad? (laughs) What if it is that bad? What if they are hurt? What if they are scared? We invalidate kids' feelings all the time because, of course, we're adults. We've been through it, and it's not that big of a deal to us, but to the person that's experiencing it, it's a big deal. So when we do that we're shaking people. And it's not just with kids. Think about it at work. When you see somebody doing a job you used to have or you're training somebody to do a job that you used to have, you go, This is the easy stuff. Why, why are you tripping? You're invalidating their experience. Or they may just be slow. But we're not going to talk about that. Indeed, you're invalidating their experience. Think about family. Um, when I, and I, I'm guilty of doing this. So I, you know, got my master's degree. I worked a full-time job, and I was raising three kids. But that was my choice. So when somebody comes to me, my teenager comes to me and says, oh, my God, I'm so tired. I'm like, you tired? I had to blah, 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 and I still made time for blah, blah, blah. That is my choice, and I am not them. So that's something that we have to check ourselves on. Even though we were able to pull stuff through, even though we were able to handle our business and still keep going, it doesn't make it okay to make somebody else feel bad about not being able to do the same thing. We're invalidating their experience, and that's not okay. So that's the one type that most of us are kind of guilty of, most of us, okay? So then there's the malicious kind, of. this one is out and out. They're coming for you. It's not on purpose most of the time because, remember, narcissistic personality disorder is a personality disorder. So they're not coming for you on purpose, but they're coming for you, okay? So it's, it's, it's malicious, Repeated lying, repeated denial, basically to get out of something that they've already started. Like if they've lied to you and you caught on, oh, they're about to gaslight you. They're about to take it, flip it, turn it so that you look crazy and that they can turn it back on you. And understand, this is not just relationships for 100%. This is family too. This is coworkers. All of this. This is mothers and and fathers do this sisters and brothers doing this. I saw a TikTok the other day, and it was very uh, informational to me about how you, how parents gaslight their children. Are you really wearing that to the date? I really wish you could be more like your sister. Your sister is so feminine, and you're not. Wow. Or oh, you really can't, you really can't play basketball? Your brother your brother is on an all star team. Why aren't you like him? Ooh, we cannot measure our children like that. If you are guilty of doing that and you're catching yourself doing that, you don't catch it. Apologize. Move forward. If you are a victim of doing that, we'll talk about a little bit of that later, but and which means I need to keep moving. All right, so malicious uh uh gaslighting also deals with misdirection. They'll they'll tell you, no, I don't say that. Well, you said you were going to pay the bills, and you didn't pay the bills. No, I didn't. I said I just needed access to your account. What are you saying to me? And they'll make you feel like you can't trust what it is that you thought you heard, and that's not the truth. And that's that's part of the situation. That's why gaslighting is so bad, because it makes you feel like you don't know what you said or what you heard. It makes you doubt your recollection of what happened. I mean, and definitely... It's, it's used to pick on people, too, so consider somebody saying, oh, um, girl, this was just a joke. I wasn't, I wasn't really telling you that you, you know, that you suck. I it was just a joke. Those types of things, or when they call you petty, oh, girl, you're so petty. Stop doing it like that. They're really gaslighting you because you start. Most of us, most of us who are trying to mature within ourselves, doing our, our shadow work or doing work on ourselves, we'll reflect and be like, wow, she called me petty. Am I? Am I petty? That's something that we'll do because we're mature. We're working on ourselves. So those people who take advantage of that, that's what they're doing. They want to target things that are important to you. So like for instance, this radio show is very important to me. So I put my, you know, I put my money into it, I put um, my effort into it, I put I up night taking notes, making sure that I have the information that I want to present to you. Um, and then somebody will come along and say, girl, anybody listening to you. That's so stupid. You should just do A, B, C, and D. That's gaslighting. They took something that was important to me, and they made it slight. Why? For whatever reason. For whatever reason. So they also kind of project their flaws onto you. So if they're inconsistent, They'll look at you like you're inconsistent, and I am inconsistent, by the way, but this is just an example. So, yeah, girl, you think you can do that, but um, you're just going to fall off like I fell off. They're projecting their feelings onto you. And the problem is when it's somebody that you love and you care about, you start to believe that, yeah, maybe they are right. Maybe I, this is not for me. Maybe I'm not good out for this, okay? So they want to cover up their lines. They want to change the narrative. They want you to doubt yourself and make you question your judgment. And the ultimate goal of all of this, honestly, they want to control the situation. They want to control you. And when you don't believe what it is that you think you thought or you saw or you did, then they have more control over you. The more you doubt yourself and your recollection, the more control they have over you, pretty much, okay? So want to move into what does gaslighting look like. When you are done, what does, how do you know that you're being gassed? What are some side effects, okay? You second-guess yourself. It is hard for you to make a decision anymore. You feel like, I, I can't do this. I think I'm going to mess up. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to screw this up. You start asking others for answers. You start asking others for advice about stuff that you should honestly know about, okay? You think your judgment is so flawed that you will ask other people for advice before you mo- make a movement on your own. That's a symptom of being gaslit. Okay. Second thing is when the person that gaslights you comes around, you're walking on eggshells, you're abstract. you're you're doing, trying to do everything perfect for that person. That's a symptom of being gaslit. Okay. You feel the need to apologize for everything. Even stuff that's not your fault. Now I understand I do I'm a person that'll apologize. Oh my God, I'm so sorry for you. That's not the same thing. If something happens and they feel, like, they feel like it is their job to make everyone happy, it's not your job to make everyone happy, especially on your back. And what I mean by that is it is not your job to set yourself on fire to keep everybody else warm. It is not your job. Your job is to honestly live a life that is joyous and productive. But when you feel like it is your job to entertain everybody else to a fault, then you're probably being gaslit, probably being blamed for a lot of stuff, probably feeling like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. Okay, so when you start to honestly, wholeheartedly believe that there is something wrong with yourself, that I'm toxic, I'm crazy, I'm jealous, I have, I'm whatever. Now I'm not talking about honest and good reflection, because that's the thing, honest and decent. Reflection, I didn't do this right, I need to fix this, is different from saying I am toxic, I am over-emotional, I am dramatic. You are none of those things. What you, when you say I am, you are claiming an affirmation for yourself, and we don't want to do that. We want to claim positive things for ourselves. I am productive. I am working on myself, even if you have some toxic traits. Even if you have some over-emotional traits, even if you have some dramatic traits, you are working on yourself. So don't I am yourself. You're not. You're you. And you are flawed, yes. We're all flawed. We're all working on ourselves. We're supposed to be. There's that. If you're afraid to ask for the things that you need or you want, especially if it's a need, a wholehearted need, you might be being gaslit. And you might want to start looking into your life. And when you honestly sit back and look at yourself and be like, I'm just so weak. I'm not who I used to be. I used to be so courageous, so outgoing, so this, so that. You're probably being gassed. I know this is some sad, heavy stuff. That's why I wanted to wrap this up because this one is a thing. Listen, so what can you do? What can you do? How can we get out of this, okay? Honestly, I'm going to say this up front. If your person, your person that is gaslighting you, is a violent person, please proceed with caution with anything that I have to say, okay? I'm going to give you general things that you can do, and you can take that, weigh it out, and move forward. But move forward wisely. All right, so the first thing I would say is, hey, start taking note of patterns. Start taking note of when this you start feeling that dread in your chest, because that's what anxiety is, that the heavy weight on your chest, the, the quickening of your breath. I can't, you know, start breathing. When you start noticing these things, like the, when you start noticing this, is I'm feeling that dread, this person is gaslighting me, start taking notice of the patterns. How do they do it? When do they do it? Why do they do it? What is it that they're trying to get? And what makes them content to walk away after gaslighting? Make note of that, okay? Once you see it, once you see the patterns, it's easier for you to get out of it, okay? So start writing it down. That way, if you see it on paper, it is harder for you to doubt yourself. No, this did happen. Okay? I want you to also start keeping records. Start keeping record of all of it. Start surrounding yourself with um, people that honestly are here for you. A, a narcissist can always find people that they can get on their team to badmouth you. Start finding people that you know for real is on your team. If that's your sister and you and your sister have a janky relationship, don't encourage your sister to be on your team. Encourage your friends to be on your team. They want to tag your back from way back. That's what you want to do. Get your support. Get a solid system of support. So that when you come to them with these things that you have noticed and you say, this is what I've noticed, they can back you up. Because, unfortunately, when you have been gaslit, you don't feel like anything that you believe, saw, heard is true or correct. So you need that backing. And so at that point, once you have done that and you will know for sure that you have been gaslit to decide what you want, not everything is going to end in, hey, you just walk away, girl. I'm not ever going to say that. Or oh, God, just walk away, bro, It's too much for you. I'm not ever going to say that. What I'm going to say is you figure out for you what it is that you need to do because at the end of the day, this is your life. But if you need to walk away, if you're in your heart of hearts, you are not filled with joy when this person come around because understand relationships are hard, yes. Relationships are very, very hard. To a point, the reason why we are in relationships is to have that backing. The reason why we're in relationships is because this person makes me happy. Well, not makes you happy because we know we're supposed to be happy within ourselves, but nonetheless, we're in this relationship because there are aspects of this person that I enjoy. There are, and if those aspects are now missing from the puzzle, then maybe it's time for you to move on. At the end of the day, you want to be in a space where you can be you without being criticized for being you. You can be you and be happy in your you-ness, that you exist, all of your gloriousness. Because let me tell you, people, y'all are some wonderful ass people. I'm not supposed to say that. Wonderful people. Okay. So anyway, uh, when you do, if you do decide that you want to leave, the first thing I would do is not. Just jump out of the relationship. Start getting yourself together. Start getting your, uh, uh, some type of routine, a mindfulness, meditation, some prayer, workout, go, you know, start building yourself back up because what a narcissist will do for sure, for sure, is if they know that they're leaving, they're going to gaslight you until you figure out that you're not making the right decision. Get your support team. Get your new trends. Keep it moving. Now, once you decide to leave. Leave. Don't listen. Do not go back to closure. Do not go back for anything else. You remove yourself, and you start removing yourself from all social media. If they have heavy friends that are influential to you, you need to remove yourself from their pages as well. And at one point, if you need to stop talking to them, be honest. Right now, I am going through something, and I, I can't with you right now. I will come back when I can That is what I had to do when I stepped away from my husband. I had to step away from friends that I love. And I said, I I cannot right now, maybe later, but I can't right now. Okay? It's a real thing. And it's like grief because it comes in waves. You'll feel that, oh, my God, I need to be him. No. It comes in waves. And it's worse because some of us will still see them. If you have to compare it with somebody that is a narcissist or that gaslights you, we, we obviously know that you can't just cut them off, but there are parenting apps that can help you and assist you, and I'll, I'll try and leave a link in the comments for any of those apps, um, But and some of them are free, so we already know this, okay? So once you have gotten yourself away from the situation, you have blocked them from your life, you want to start rebuilding yourself, and then you want to start resetting goals, okay? So rebuilding yourself. What do you want to do? What makes you happy? I had to redefine myself and figure out exactly what it was that I liked because I had threw myself into everything that my husband liked. I had to figure out for me what it was that I liked. And what's funny is trying to reconnect with my children, I found new loves, new loves, new things that I was like, hey, this is kind of cool. I'm all right with this. So finding yourself is a big deal. Resetting those goals is a big deal. And you don't have to take huge steps in order for it to be okay. Take baby steps. But keep moving. I always say, even if you come to an exercise class and you do the bare minimum, you're at least doing more than a person is sitting on the couch. Because baby steps work. It won't work as fast, No. But it will help you get your bearings, get your self-esteem together, start getting you some confidence, making decisions, making you feel like you're confident again so that you can make some real decisions. And that's good. So let's move on. I wanted to give you the one affirmation that I use like 100%. It's a song by Jill Scott. It's called Slowly, Surely. So I'm going to read this to you. And this is the one, one um, piece that really resonated with me. It's slowly, surely. I walk away from self-serving, underserving, constantly hurting me, love. And that's the love that we want to get away from, okay? So that's my time, my love. You can find me on all forms of social media, Facebook, Pinterest, TikTok, Instagram. uh, Keywords, the DJ Don. And I'm happy that you guys showed up to be with me. And uh, please join me again on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Peace.